0: Welcome back, everyone. How we doing? Uh, to, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Live Inspired Show. As always, I'm your host, Chad Cannon. We have a very special guest today who has some major inspiration of her own, and I want to read her bio. Um, Yvette Salva. Yvette Salva is the mother of two who lives in central New Jersey. She owns a personal training studio for women and is also a certified life coach. She's passionate about serving others, especially when it comes to addiction. She chooses to take her personal mess and make it the message. Her passion is all about helping women get unstuck. It's all about Mindset Reset. Welcome, Yvette. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you.
1: I love it. Yeah, Mindset Reset, baby. Let's go.
0: I love it. I love it. So you own a personal training studio and you're a life coach, but there's something that we have talked about before that you really want to do. And that's write a book. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like where, where did you come with up with the inspiration to write a book and and where did the inspiration come from?
1: So Chad, like, I guess all my life I've I mean we all have books inside of us right we've all gone through stories and I guess my story like I I have some some time in sobriety now and I think as I as I was getting sober um I have 20 years sober right about the 10 year mark I thought my life if it was in print could help somebody else who might feel alone stuck and suffering because I was stuck for a long time, and I was stuck in silence. And mm. I had a triple threat. I had booze, blow, and pancakes. So drugs, alcohol, and food were my three addictions. And I just felt like there was no way out. And I think that a lot of people have addictions, especially food for women, and they suffer in silence.
0: Right, and so that's the share- book to be about.
1: Yeah, that's what I want my book to be about. It's basically the prison in your mind And it could be all three or it could just be one it could be just the cocaine it could be the pills it could be the drugs it could be the food but that prison that war in your head where this shit's got to change i am on
0: that's That's a crazy story so if you will take us back to the beginning how did you get involved in all that and then all the way through i want to hear the whole story and then how you got out of all that
1: okay sure so um, just like a, a little bit of my past early growing up. I uh, I was born in Canada and then I moved to Spain and I came to America in seventh grade. So there was like a pivotal time in my life, you know, seventh grade. I grew up in boarding schools in Spain with, you know, with a British accent, speaking Spanish. Hmm. And then coming from America, I was like in culture shock, like big highways and big cars and um and bigger people and just everything. I was just in total shock. And coming going into seventh grade I walked into school with my boarding school uniform on and I was oh my god I don't look like any of these girls my name is not Cindy I don't have blonde hair and like these girls are wearing makeup and I was just like what is what in the world Chad Cannon is going on so that was like the beginning of my like I don't fit in and I'm not good enough and basically that's the story that's the story that was in my head my whole life from seventh grade until i got sober and it was just basically i'm a piece of shit i'm disgusting i'm ugly i'm fat i'm not good enough and you know those stories that replay in your head um you know i used food with the very first addiction i had so i moved here and you know I started to see these girls like with these bodies and I was like, I want to become a cheerleader. I'm going to change my name to Christine. And you know, <laughs> this is great. Like I got a split. like on my knee. And uh, <laughs> that's when I started to get into these girls who were trying to lose weight. And I was like, I'm going to win at this. So I was 68 pounds, Chad, when I went to my first rehab. I was in a locked unit. I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. And um, I'll never forget being in a locked unit. Of a of a rehab and walking by the drug and alcoholics and being like, man, they're so lucky. They're not locked up. Come to find out later in years, I would go to many rehabs for drugs and alcohol. But I used to think, man, these guys are the lucky ones. They're not locked, because ours was a locked unit. And, you know, as God would have it, I did visit many of those rehabs um later on in my my drinking career. But uh, so that was my first addiction. And then I couldn't hold on to the anorexia. I was, I got out, I was about 110 pounds. And then, you know, you can only starve yourself for so long. And then I started to say, you know what, I could eat and nobody will find out and I'll throw up. And that was, that went from 14 years old to 44 years old. So that was my real First addiction. And because food is legal and no one knows about it, it's the sneakiest one. Right. Yeah. So that that that's where that went. Then I went to college. I I started to drink a lot. Now drinking got me into like the in click. Like I just wanted to fit in. So when I drank, I'm like, wow, did I get better looking? Wow, I can yeah. dance. And you know, I just everything lit up for me with alcohol. And uh I after college, I was in sales and I would go out to, I was selling yellow pages and I would go out to eat with these landscapers and the roofers and the locksmith. And I'm like, you'll get to triple a locksmith and <laughs> drinking. And, you know, I was number one sales rep for many years for the yellow pages, but the drinking started to catch up with me. I ended up getting fired. And then I was at the gym one day and this guy, I've been, I'll never forget it. He says to me, why don't you go to this go-go bar? and be a shot girl. And I was like, what's, this, what's a go-go bar? And what is, what do shot girls do? He's like, oh, they just walk around with little test tubes and you know, drinking shots. And I was like, what a magnificent idea that
0: is. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <It's like laughs> and he said, sure.
1: <laughs> I was like, you know what, if that's so, you get yourself back on your feet, you know, you'll go back and use your career and your degree. Okay, quick cash, quick cash sounded good so I was in that and I was in that for from like 25 to 30 at 30 years old I got sober and then my life changed I got married I had a baby I had another baby I own a business you know all the gifts of sobriety but I had many setbacks I have probably been to maybe 10 12 rehabs you know so yes. my message is get the fuck back up because as long as there's a breath inside you there's life and there's hope.
0: I love that. So once you, well, let's go back a little bit. What, what is your, what was your lowest point? Can you describe where you yeah. were, what that felt like?
1: Oh man. I get emotional because you know, I lived in my car. It gets it's cold, you know? And, uh, I just was living in this car and I was just, I just looked in the mirror, like the rear view mirror, and I just was like, I got to do something or I'm going to die. Mm. You know, cold in your car, but I still had a place to shower. I would go to the gym and shower and I had a job. And, you know, I didn't think it was that bad, but I knew, Chad, I knew if I didn't stop, I'd die.
0: And that was the point you made a decision? to change?
1: It was one of many decisions. I had to recommit to that decision many times with relapses, but I would say that it was the decision to say, you know, I need, I need to, I, I need to be willing to try something else. I was never willing to try it 100% of the way other sober telling me to do it. You know, it's not Yvette's anonymous, you know, that's, that's kind of how, like, I like to, change things around and so I started to be willing to listen to suggestions and make them more like rules and uh, that's really what kind of changed my life
0: that's that's cool that's cool so once you finally got sober and and you got your life back together a little bit um, you decided to become a an owner of a (laughs) Personal training studio.
1: Yeah. So the I had um I had had a personal training studio in my home. Right. And I was raising my girl and the training studio. I started to like hire my clients as trainers. I'm like, you know, get, you could do this. You are a great trainer. You love fitness. You would be so awesome at this. So then I had like three or four trainers that were originally my clients that were now training in my basement. So everybody had a key to my house. I had a Pilates room upstairs, I had the gym downstairs and it was like it was just too much activity. Then I had another baby and so then I said, "You know what? I need to find my own place cuz it's just it's too it was like a train station at my house." So then I I found a location and with that now it's a it's a private one-on-one training studio for women who um who felt like I always felt like the background girl. Like this is a place where you walk in and it's your home. You walk in and this is your house. There's no back row, front row. We are all together and it's about like strength and sisterhood.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And how long have you had that?
1: I've had that. Uh, it's been about 13 years, 13 wow. years of home and and brick and mortar.
0: That's great. And it's just for women. It's, uh, is that right? It's
1: just women. Yeah. And I think the key thing that makes it different than going to a gym is that it's completely private. Yeah. So you know, if your wife came to me and we were training and then she's, you know, my trainers are also 40 and up. So these trainers are going through the same thing of my, you know, my typical customer. My typical customer is a woman in her 40s, 50s and 60s who feels kind of lost. Is finally, you know, kids are getting empty nesters. Kids are out of the house. They're feeling like maybe it's time for me or they just got divorced and need to, you know, get on a dating site or they, they don't even or want to start to work and they don't know what to do. They kind of come to me because I, I always believe that it's the transformation starts physical first, Mm -hmm. showing up for yourself because truly the gym is the gym showed me how to live, like to show up for myself, to do things. I don't feel like doing. And that's what I try and do for women in a real comfortable setting.
0: Right. Okay. So you've, You've helped a lot of women transform physically, mm-hmm. which in turn helps mentally over time. And then you became a life coach. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So what happened was uh, during the pandemic, you know, I I was a personal development junkie since like, I don't know, since since probably my anorexia, since I'm 14, because I was always looking for the answer in books, you know, going to Tony Robbins, going, I always had just reading and reading and reading. And then- during COVID, when everything shut down and my gym shut down, I was like, you know, this is a great opportunity to learn and actually do this. So I, uh, I invested in, in a program and it was a year program. And I basically was my first client because at that point in my life, I was in my like early fifties and I was stuck. I was stuck in a lot of things, relationships, work, friendships, recovery, and a lot of things. I just felt I needed a change. And through life coaching, I made a lot of life changes. And I figure if I can do it through the principles and tools that I learned in this program, maybe I can help someone else do it.
0: Yeah. So you went through a one year uh, certification for life coaching.
1: I went through a one-year certification. It's called IPAC. And then um, a mentor of ours that we follow, Todd Durkin, was opening up his life coaching program. And, you know, whatever he's selling, I'm buying because he's just got the juju that I'm looking for. And then I said, you know what? I just like to keep learning. You know, not that any of the tools are that different, but this is more about putting my own personal style in it. Like, I will never say to you, well, are your goals in alignment? Like, that's not how I talk. So I feel like this program lets me be me. Like this shit's got to stop today, Chad Cannon. What are we going to do? What is in your brain? Let's dump it out and figure out some clarity and a strategy to move
0: forward. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure you've helped many people overcome that. Um, So let's go back to the book. Okay. Yeah. You and I have talked a lot about about books. Um, I have written one. Um, you have, uh, gone in on a book with me that we are currently doing. Um, uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not going to tell people about it yet, but we are involved in a collaboration yeah. with some other people with that. Um, yeah. but as, as you do, I also want to write another book, um, have started that process and you have mentioned to me that you want to write one. So we have discussed, um, what type of book that you really kind of want to produce out there and or publish out there and and um can you go a little bit deeper into that like each chapter not each sure. chapter, but but kind of what it really what the kind of book you want to put out there is, is going to be like
1: so it's going to be about the lessons i learned in my my addiction recovery journey because the lessons i learned are basically life lessons, you know? And like, so I once heard in a meeting somebody say, you can fool the fans, but you can't fool the players. Mm -hmm. So like this book is really about like looking at myself and so journey into like really what I've been through, but also for somebody else who's like, you know, like I know there's a whisper and a gut feeling that maybe I need to change something. And maybe through my experience, strength and hope, they will see like yeah i do that i did that because you know i negotiated everything i negotiated everything every monday i was getting sober and then i would not drink on the weekends and then i would change from vodka to wine and then i wouldn't drink before noon and then i would only do this and then i would only do coke on mondays like i had a fucking excuse for everything and so I think we can only give ourselves these excuses for so long. So a lot of the principles I'm going to be covering are things that change my life, like um, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, nothing changes if nothing changes, you know. Um, get the fuck back up. Like, literally, get up. I don't care. Start your day over. You drank, whatever you have to do, get back up and start counting days. You know, cause I had to do that many times. I relapsed after three years and had to raise my hand at a meeting and say, I'm coming back.
0: Mm.
1: You know, rigorous honesty is the only way to keep it. Like being honest with yourself and then to another human because I feel like secrets keep you sick. My whole life was, I was a secret. I was teaching group fitness classes with an eight pack. Meanwhile, I was throwing up before the class and doing a pint of vodka after the class. Mm. Yeah, that's but on the outside looks like Gucci on the outside, feels like Walmart on the inside.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like that.
1: That's like really imposter syndrome. Um, another big another big principle is about giving back, just like you with your book, The Woo. Like you give back so much with those experiences that you've had as a coach and you know, just showing people that, and it's not a monetary thing. You give and you get back so much more
0: Right.
1: Yeah. you know um a lot of it was also about like just honoring the word to yourself I think addicts I think a lot of us we like to stay in the cave cozy comfy mm-hmm. I always say our brain wants to be eating Cheez-Its watching Netflix all day and we want to do things and we set goals but then the discomfort you know the discomfort the doubt the fear comes in and we'll do it tomorrow We'll do that next week that goal is too big we don't stay committed to our decision and i feel like i know for me i was in the land miserable maybe miserable maybe maybe i'll get sober next monday hmm. maybe i'll book next year all the things maybe i'll open a studio not not now when my kids grow up when this happens what, and you know like why not now like that's one of our mentors things why wait um Honoring the word to yourself is probably one of the biggest things in, in my recovery journey. Cause I had, I never honored shit.
0: Mm. That's deep. That's
1: it deep. Is, and it's a rude awakening because I'll tell you, I'll be there, but then that day shows up and I'm like, mm, maybe tomorrow, or I got something better, you know, what's in it for me. Always yeah. live in like this slick mindset, you know? Right. And uh, you'll never find a better group of people than addicts, addicts and alcoholics, man. We just love and we want to help somebody else because when you've been given the gift of desperation, like really given another chance at life, you want to make sure somebody else feels the same way. You're never alone.
0: That's what I get every time I speak with you. I feel like you just want to pour out into everyone else everything you've learned that you've gone through and and you just want to make sure that nobody else does that and and finds a deeper meaning in life and just lives their best life possible and it's just every time i speak to you you just convey that so well and i i admire that personally
1: thank you so much chad and honestly i can tell you through um this coaching program that you and i are doing um just working on my mental thoughts, I literally, you know, it's like a groove in the record. Like Mm -hmm. I used to wake up every day. I hate my body. I hate my body. And when you've been playing that on repeat over and over year after year, it takes a lot of practice to change your thinking, but everything happens with a thought first. That's why people, when they meet me, they're like, Oh, I want to have arms like you. I want to look like you. But listen, it's not about anything on the outside. It's about working your thoughts, changing your thoughts. Because if you hate your body, you're not going to stick to anything.
0: Amen. Yes. That's, you're right on it. You're right on it. Yeah. Is there anything that you can look back on in in any part of your life and, and say, I wish, um, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or are you like grateful that you went through everything you've gone through?
1: (sighs) That bar era was pretty bad. You know, I wish I hadn't done that. And a lot of times I think I don't want to say anything in public because my kids will see it. But the truth of the matter is I want to be rigorously honest because Mm -hmm. that's what, drugs and alcohol did to me, I lost self-respect, you know, and uh, you never think it's going to happen to you. I speak three languages. I'm college educated. How could that happen? You know, but on the flip side of that, I'm just so grateful because honestly, I learned how to become a human being through the room, through the recovery rooms. Hmm. People showed how to change my mindset. People showed me how to show up. People showed me how to give back, and I never knew any of that. I didn't know how to live.
0: Wow. Wow. So is there any advice today that you would give somebody going through hard times that's, that's kind of feels stuck? Um, I mean, you talked about getting people unstuck. So how, how do you go about doing that with, with, with those that are stuck?
1: I think honestly, the first thing is to talk about it to another human. Mm -hmm. You have to get the thoughts out of your head and onto a piece of paper or to another human. So somebody can give you a different perspective and also help you have hope that things can be different. I think many women that I come across are living the same day over and over wanting to change but just not seeing how to do it you know having all good intentions on monday plant face face plant in the nachos and wine every night looking for relief and not knowing how to change it so i think first is talking to another human because i truly believe secrets keep you sick and secondly is having accountability you know somebody who's been through what you want to go through
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: if a you know if i want to if I want to be a great track runner, I want to go to you because I know you did track or you did sports, you know, if you want to get sober, find somebody who's gotten sober. If you want to you want to get it out of throwing up, find somebody who is also bulimic and doesn't do that because I didn't know anybody who was. And I think a lot of women, especially with bulimia, like you literally putting your head where people shit. It is raw. That's how much you hate yourself. Whoever wants to declare that to the world. Right. So people live in a lot of shame with drugs, alcohol, and food in different ways. You know, track marks, whatever. I didn't, I didn't do the needles, but it doesn't matter. It's all the same.
0: Yeah. Hmm. You went through a lot. (laughs) Can you believe
1: I'm still standing? I look pretty good now. You do.
0: (laughs) No, and this, and and for all you listeners out there, I mean, Yvette is one of the, I mean, you can tell she's one hyper girl that loves to embrace people and just pour into people and just so much energy and love just coming out of her. I just, I love talking to you because you're so much fun. Um do you have any any last words of advice to to give anybody just if one deep secret that you could give somebody i mean um anything I, just real deep
1: i don't know i think uh there's two th- things that they say in the rooms of recovery one is one day at a time you mm-hmm. know i always lived in the past or in the future but I never stayed present with myself. I literally couldn't even like sit down at a chair for 10 minutes, but I could not, the concept of just doing the right thing for the next 24 hours. Like I used to say, tomorrow you can drink, but today you're not going to drink. Tomorrow you can And just learning to live within the 24 hours that are in front of you and really focusing on the behaviors of the person you want to be. You know, not so much the goal, I want to lose 50 pounds, but how would a person who has lost 50 pounds show up? Because everything matters. Every decision you make in those 24 hours matters. You're either going up or you're going down, but we're never staying the same.
0: Right.
1: You know, so that's what I would say. Focus on the next 24 hours and know that everything does matter. There is a consequence for everything. Like if I drink today, the consequence is that I might not come back into recovery. The consequence is that I would have to raise my hand and say I'm coming back day one.
0: Right. That's so. So live each day almost like it's your last. um, Mm. But be in. Be in the moment So you can live what you have to do that day and don't think about the long-term stuff. That's what you're saying.
1: So I, in order for me to keep my sobriety, I have a plan every week. I do three recovery meetings a week. I journal every day. I work every day. I drink a gallon of water every day. This took time to accumulate these habits, but these are the things that say that you're showing up for yourself from that very first sip i don't want to do that gallon but it's like showing me you can do hard things you start i know you don't want to but just start right and then throughout the day
0: that's awesome that's awesome i love that well thank you so much for sharing your story um it is an amazing story and uh I know you're gonna do great things still with your personal training and with your life coaching and the book that you and I are going to publish together with a bunch of others and your book alone. So I'm um, I'm so proud of you, how far have you come? And I, I hope to keep working with you in the future on our on our journey together.
1: Definitely, Chad. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you having me on the show today.
0: Thank you. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Bye.